Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Saturday the 2nd of December. I'm Kira Evans and this was a week that saw the COVID inquiry uncover more chaos, hostilities resume in Gaza, Rishi Lucy's marbles and the death of a music legend. Up or something hot, put up your feet and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the smart seven. It's news, but not the news. The COVID inquiry continued this week, but what has been a recurring theme in the inquiry so far, that far too much control was placed in a chaotic Downing Street while Parliament and regional infrastructure was ignored. London Mayor Sadiq Khan testified that the decision to exclude him and members of the Greater London Authority from COBRA meetings in early March meant that poorer and minority ethnic communities were unduly exposed to the virus. I can see no explanation at all why the Mayor of London, we weren't around that table. I think lives could have been saved if we were earlier. Greater Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham testified that he felt the Downing Street-focused decision-making saw Manchester being punished with Tier 3 lockdowns and some decision-making which made no sense at all on the ground. The thing that sticks in my mind from the period we're talking about is genuine astonishment when word came through from officials who were in good contact with civil servants saying that local testing would be stood down. You know, I could not even begin to get my head around why local testing teams in our, what were CCGs at the time, would be stood down. Tuesday saw Michael Gove in the hot seat. He was the lead minister in the Cabinet Office as the pandemic hit and he made a personal apology to the victims and their families for the mistakes that the government made. As a minister who was also close to many of the decisions that were made, I must take my share of responsibility for that. Politicians are human beings, we're fallible. We make mistakes and we make errors. He testified that he thought the initial approach to testing was chaotic and that not enough attention was paid to the potential impact of lockdowns on children. The inquiry also heard messages between Gove and Dominic Cummings, with Gove warning that the government was effing things up and suggesting that if action wasn't taken, we'll regret it for a long time. However, he refused to blame his former boss for a delay in implementing the first lockdown. The Prime Minister at the time, Mr Johnson, was someone who found the idea of restricting free association deep difficult. Wednesday saw more senior government figures in front of the COVID inquiry including former Deputy PM Dominic Rabb. Rabb defended former advisor to Boris Dominic Cummings denying that he was a puppet master or that he had contributed to the chaotic atmosphere at Downing Street. Former Health Secretary Saji Javi testified that then-Chancellor Rishi Sunak was among those pushing hard for the lockdown to be lifted. He described a meeting in which the Prime Minister Boris Johnson demanded that all the malingering and work-shy people were made to return to work. He said at times he was shocked by how Downing Street operated. I can't speak to you know, other, other government. I think the, the extent of dysfunctionality was something I had not experienced before in any government. 
Then on Thursday, the COVID inquiry finally came face to face with former Health Secretary Matt Hancock. His name has been mentioned over and over again as the inquiry has progressed with accusations that he was a proven liar, that he was an inexpert but over-enthusiastic, that he wanted to decide who should live and who should die and that he didn't have a firm grip on his department. Hancock spent most of his time on the stand denying these allegations, pushing back against the notion that he was a liar and pointing the finger at what he referred to as a malign actor inside Number 10 who had created a toxic atmosphere. That clearly flipped over into an unhealthy, toxic culture at the centre where anything that went wrong was seen as a almost intentional failure. There was no love loss for Dominic Cummins with Hancock claiming he had been pushing for a lockdown three weeks before it finally happened. He also claimed that he had been blocked from taking action at a central government level, which could have saved lives. The very first time I tried to call a cobra, I was blocked ultimately only for 48 hours and getting the machine at the centre of government up and running was incredibly hard and took a huge amount of effort. This week saw a series of extensions to the truce between Israel and Hamas, which allowed over 100 hostages to be freed, while over 200 Palestinian prisoners have also been released. The humanitarian pause allowed aid to flow into Gaza, and Red Cross Crisis Response Director Pascal Hunt described his experience helping convey the hostages from Gaza. I think it was a, an extremely emotional moment for the hostages. And suddenly they, they see the Red Cross and they understand that soon they will be reunited with their families. It, it was really a true moment of, of humanity. The temporary truce has seen over 2,000 trucks cross over into Gaza carrying aid, food and fuel and the additional three days agreed during the week will make a big difference according to White House spokesman John Kirby. This humanitarian pause has already brought a halt to the fighting together with a surge of humanitarian assistance. Now in order to extend the pause Hamas has committed to releasing another 20 women and children over the next two days. We would of course hope to see the pause extended further uh, and that will depend upon Hamas continuing continuing to release hostages. Negotiations continued in Qatar throughout the week, which resulted in several extensions up to Friday morning, with a negotiating delegation apparently including the head of Mossad and the director of the CIA, William Burns. This week saw the World Food Programme delivering food to over 120,000 people, and UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says the truce has been important and that it needed to continue for as long as possible. It's a glimpse of hope and humanity in the middle of the darkness of war. And I strongly hope that uh, this will enable us to increase even more uh, the humanitarian aid to the people in Gaza. Israel says that the hostages who've been released so far say that they were treated poorly while in captivity. Island Levy, Israeli spokesman, said the Hamas continued to use video footage to spread their message of terror. The hostages were not held in reasonable conditions. Our children were serially abused. It continues to document its own atrocities, releasing footage of crowds terrorising the hostages in their final moments of captivity. Those scenes bringing to mind that scene from Game of Thrones. US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was back in Israel on Thursday as he worked to get guarantees from Prime Minister Netanyahu to protect Palestinian civilians before hostilities against Hamas resume. The Americans were requesting that Israel designate safe areas for civilians and avoid damaging any further hospitals or critical infrastructure. Far too many Palestinians have been killed. Far too many have suffered uh, these past weeks. And we want to do everything possible to prevent harm to them, 
and to maximise the assistance that gets to them. However, Friday morning saw hostilities resume as Hamas appeared to fire a rocket into Israeli territory. Israel responded with airstrikes and what appeared to be a full resumption of hostilities. Former Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett says Israel is making every effort to spare civilians, but that it's difficult when you're fighting a terrorist organisation. Hamas is, wants to stop the war in a cynical way by it effectively killing its own people by placing them in harm's way. If there were some magical solution where we could tweezer people out uh, and and just hit the, the rocket launcher that's shooting rockets at Israelis, we would do it. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak managed to start a diplomatic row on Tuesday with Greece. There's been a long-running dispute over what the Greeks call the Parthenon marbles. Rishi cancelled a meeting with his Greek counterpart Kyriakos Mitsotakis after the Greek Prime Minister refused to agree not to lobby for the return of the sculptures. It appears Rishi was annoyed over this weekend's interview with Mitsotakis on the BBC where he gave a memorable explanation of why Greece is so keen to reclaim the artworks. This is an, a reunification argument. Where can you best appreciate what is essentially one monument. I mean, it's as if, if if I told you that you would cut the Mona Lisa in half and you would have half of it at the Louvre and half of it at the British Museum. Do you think your viewers would appreciate the, the, the beauty of the painting in such a way? Well, this is exactly what happened. That seems to have triggered Rishi and he cancelled the meeting on the basis that the talks would be dominated by the discussion of the antiquities. This has been a long-running row with a sculpture brought by the British Museum back in 1816. The concern is that returning them would trigger requests for the return of many other colonial treasures. Education Secretary Gillian Bloody Good Job Keegan was sent out to explain why the UK can't return the art. And of course we do value our relationship with Greece but of course it's also very clear that the Elgin marbles are actually protected under law and under that law they have to stay in the British Museum. Well that wasn't the end of it as Rishi continued his public row with the Greek Prime Minister on Wednesday. It's highly unusual for a Prime Minister to start a public row with a fellow NATO member and a key ally when it comes to stopping the flow of migrants into Europe. Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer was quick to land a number of blows over the row during Prime Minister's question time. In an effort to hide from his failures, the Prime Minister spent this week arguing about an ancient relic that only a tiny minority of the British public have any interest in. Mr Speaker, that's enough about the Tory party. Starmer also proposed Rishi has developed what he called a reverse Midas touch in which everything he touches turns to failure. Rishi wasn't backing down, though angrily defending his decision to publicly cancel the meeting. Of course, we're always happy to discuss important topics of substance with our allies, but when it was clear that the purpose of a meeting was not to discuss substantive issues for the future, but rather to grandstand, it wasn't appropriate. There was good news on Monday for those facing NHS waiting lists. The government has finally come to an agreement with senior doctors in England which would see an end to their ongoing strike action. The strike involves both members of the British Medical Association and the Hospital Consultants and Specialists Association, but there have been secret talks going on for weeks. The deal sees an improvement on Rishi's first and final offer, with senior medics receiving an increase of at least 14.95%. Both sides were keen to avoid strikes during the winter when the NHS is under most pressure. A new health sector 
Secretary Victoria Atkins is keen to resolve matters with striking junior doctors next. I'm very much open to discussions with them. I have met them and again I'm, I'm very much hoping that we can reach a fair and reasonable settlement because every single appointment that is rescheduled of course means someone somewhere is either in pain or in distress and we all of us want the NHS to work in the best interests of our patients. Still to come on the standout seven, Cher is really excited about her Christmas album and the world mourns the passing of a music legend. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. Would it displease you if I walked over and punched Henry Kissinger in the face? You hate Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Because in my travels, I stumble across his good works everywhere. I right. That was U.S. travel writer and chef Anthony Bourdain sharing his feelings on former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, who died on Wednesday at 100 years of age. He was truly a divisive figure, winning the Nobel Peace Prize for bringing an end to the Vietnam War in 1973, but regarded by many as a war criminal. Russia's President Putin was among those paying their respects, along with China, but many cannot forgive Kissinger's role in the secret U.S. bombing of Cambodia. Research fellow at Harvard, Gautam Makonda, says he leaves a complicated legacy. As with any figure of such a life of such impact and complexity, the highs were quite high, but the lows were catastrophic. But every president needs an extraordinarily skillful right-hand man, and Henry Kissinger was that person in a lot of roles. Cher just doesn't seem to age like normal people. She's 77 years old now, but could definitely pass for 20 years younger. And it seems like she's never heard of the whole retirement concept. This year, she's been busy starting her own gelato company, and she's also beavering away in the studio making a Christmas album. It's just called Christmas, and she's called in all of her big name buddies to help out, including Darlene Love and Stevie Wonder. I said, Stevie, I did the song and I can do part of it really well, but there's some part I just can't do and I need you to come and do it. And he said, consider it done. And then I ran around my room. I jumped up and down in my bed screaming, Stevie Wonder's going to be on my album. The death has been announced of the Pogue singer and songwriter Shane McGowan. The legendary Hellraiser passed away peacefully at home after a long illness with his partner Victoria at his side. He's famous worldwide for his iconic Christmas song with Kirsty McCall, Fairy Tale of New York, which he wrote for a bet. But his band, the Pogues, had critical and commercial success throughout his life. He was a tabloid favourite for his chaotic lifestyle, battles with alcohol and a shortage of teeth. But he was truly loved as a performer and songwriter. Tributes came from across the music 
music industry and also from the President of Ireland who called him one of music's greatest lyricists. Here's Shane Channing to Frank Skinner in 2004 about public perceptions of him and whether or not it affected his life. Rest in peace, Shane. Oh, I, I couldn't give a f- what people want me to be, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like I'm an entertainer, you know what I mean? Like, like, people want me to get up on that stage and, like, blast it out, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, they get involved in it and it's, it's an audience. Like, a good gig is where the audience love it, yeah? You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.